0: Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango.
1: And I am your co-host, Buddy.
0: And today we're going to talk a little bit about the endgame of MMOs, whether or not they've ruined them or not. And before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell folks like, what it is we do on this podcast.
1: Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. And some of the games that we talk about most commonly are MMO experiences, right? I play a lot of World of Warcraft. Mango plays a lot of Destiny 2. We've all dabbled... In you know other MMO light uh, sort of sort of genres, and you know like the massively multiplayer online framework has been adopted into everything from you know uh, Call of Duty to League of Legends, right? So um, in a certain sense, we're looking at a world where you know the MMO genre is you know 20 or so years old given from the days of like the late 90s and Ultima Online where where have we kind of come to now in a game design sort of perspective um and the initial thesis for some folks seems to be that the MMO genre specifically like MMORPGs has kind of stagnated because of the desire to cater to end game experiences, right? That we no longer have an experience like World of Warcraft classic or vanilla where you're kind of you're leveling through the content and it's going to take you, you know, weeks or months in order to get to uh the the level cap and engage in level cap activities. Um, and we are now in a position where you just kind of race to end game and do end game for as much as you possibly, or for as long as you possibly can.
0: Yeah, the the game starts at end game. This is, is a common kind of refrain that I have heard, uh, specifically applied to WoW, but I've heard in other places as well. Um, but yeah, just, just for a little bit of context. Um, MMO byte has a video about this. It is relatively short and not particularly deep, but it, it was the genesis for this conversation, so... I figured I'd shut that out here. Um, but, um, Buddy, do, do you have any initial thoughts on this? Because I have some of my own, but I want to give you the chance to to respond
1: first. Uh, so my initial thought is that this is kind of a natural progression over time. Um, and that I think there are there's a difference kind of between good MMOs and bad MMOs um, that have uh, an easy time kind of like – getting people up and into, you know, uh, the experience and MMOs that have a hard time getting people up and into the experience. So it's one of those sorts of things where it's like, I don't think that, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea. It's all about the execution. That's kind of my baseline.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, I've got, so I've got a couple, I guess, more specific thoughts. But, like, the, the thing I want to lead out with is I think that there is this... Trend, and and I'm not commenting on quality quite yet with it, but um, to kind of split progression in games into like one set that you can just kind of grind out at at infinitum. um, Infinitum is probably not the right word, but like you can grind out to its max level um, as fast as you want, and then to gate later content. And and wow, we see this is kind of like it's you know the, the race to max level, and then past that, your item level ups. Um, get progressively more curtailed I mean you see this in destiny as well right like um, destiny has not had to, ha- to let you level up to max level for a while now but the way this is mirrored is that uh, like say if you start shadow keep you start at eye level 750 you can kind of just keep doing stuff until you hit i level 900 and at that point you have to do um, uh, powerful gear uh, which there are there are a large number but a limited number of drops every week. And that can get you to nine, uh, depends on the season. But right now it's nine sixty, and then past that you have three pinnacle acti- three or three pinnacle activities in like the raid, and I'll give you gear that drops up to nine seventy, and at a much uh, slower upgrade level than the rest of the game. Um, and that's uh, you know if you want to take it uncharitably, I think it's a way to kind of stretch people out over time rather than having them burn out all at once. Um, uh, and if, if you want to be a little bit more charitable about it, it's pacing out the content so that the you know, dedicated people can't get so far ahead of everybody else that, that they leave everybody else in the dust. Um, but that's kind of like my, my, my first blush thought at it.
1: I get that. That definitely makes uh, a lot of sense to me. Like, like, so, for instance, something that um, I once described item levels as a second like, as a secondary leveling experience, right, in a sense, right? And what you are doing when you're increasing your item level is that you have, like, you know, whatever, you're, like, ten items, and each of those has its own, quote-unquote, experience bar that you fill up by upgrading that piece of experience. And so, like, you, all of these, all of these, um... And and the essential argument is that, like, okay, if, if someone wants to say that, like, oh, WoW is completely different... Because you know nobody ever does the long weeks long kind of grind to get to level sixty. Well, in a certain sense, that's not really true because all they did was sort of replace the grind to sixty with the grind to higher level to like higher item levels, right? Um, and I think that there's something like pretty valid there, right? Um, especially because it does like kind of curtail in the same sort of way. It has the exact like like you were talking about with Destiny. It has the exact same interaction where like there are a couple of Powerful sources of items per week, um, but you can't. You know, but like it's 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 certainly uh, gated, and there is a reward for hardcore dedication in a lot of in a lot of senses, right? Um, but it's very diminished compared to the sort of like week by week rewards. Um, so I I think that in a in a certain sense there. Is like the the thesis about endgame isn't correct because it's not really describing the procedure of being in endgame very accurately, if that makes sense. Right? Like if someone wants to say, Oh well, the race to the endgame is all that matters and the leveling, you know, is kind of incidental or whatever, well, the the actual content of being in the endgame just looks a lot like leveling by a different sort of name, in a sense. Um, and that maybe we just need to kind of like treat it a little bit more holistically than that. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, um, I I I think I think I, I follow what you're saying. Um, I,
1: I don't I like to a certain extent. I think that's a reduction. Like I think the counter argument, the steel man sort of counter argument to that idea is it's like reductive, right? You know, obviously progressing eye level is not the same as progressing, you know, uh, actual level experience level or whatever. And so, saying that those are two of the same thing is kind of, like, meaningless. But the overall point is that kind of, um, even in a state of, quote-unquote, endgame, there is still real progression to be made. Um, And like I said, some games are good at it, some games are sort of, like, bad at it, right? Uh, And it's... I don't know. It's, uh... I, I, I don't know how to complete that thought that's yeah. it that's the thought <laughs> yeah
0: I, I, I think part of this too is that like it's maybe a little bit more than kind of all of one thing right like I think that there are very kind of valid reasons why you divide up the the uh, uh the progression like this and also some kind of like just behavioral ones right like the the one of the most famous stories. About uh game design, particularly when it comes to World of Warcraft is, you know, is rested XP used to, instead of being a bonus, used to be a penalty and just applied the inverse. And all they did was kind of shift around the way it worked to be a bonus. And that had, like, great psychological effects. And I'm sure that there's some amount of that playing into, like, well, you know, it doesn't feel bad as bad to be gated on items because they kind of, like, play on a different part of the psyche or something. I'm, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't really talk to that Um kind of explicitly, but it, that, that seems to make some sense to me. Um, I think another part of this too is just kind of things that uh, that just kind of happen over time, right? Um, uh, I think in particular with, with say, World of Warcraft, um, we, we can see uh, the kind of effects that's coming with the level squish in um, the Shadowlands um, is that in order for the game to feel like it's been progressing over like the 15 years of its existence or whatever it is now, um, they needed to keep adding a new ceiling, right? Um, and so like, I could I would argue that at this point, any level past sixty is kind of superfluous in terms of like actual gameplay, right? Maybe or any level up to maybe the ten until the current expansion are kind of superfluous in terms of uh, the way the game works because um I think fundamentally in in a traditional MMO like like wow. The leveling experience is kind of just to teach you how to play your character, um, more than anything else. And like the old content was designed for the characters on those patches and well, it's mostly the same, right? Like, I think you get most of that in the end game, uh, leveling process. I don't think you need as much time as, uh, as the normal game would put you through to get, to get through like, you know, what what was 110 levels now, um, uh, and so I think that while, while some of it's born out of, like, this kind of training idea, um, first of all, I don't think that was true for the first 60 levels, right? The first 60 levels back in vanilla, like we were talking about, I think were based around a kind of different idea, idea like a place where people were more fine, uh, uh, leveling up slower. And I, I, I kind of want to think about, like, where to pinpoint where that kind of attitude shifted, and it might be when leveling systems entered every other game genre on the market. Um, that's at least my, my guidance to get. You have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, so I, I have a couple of pieces on this. I actually agree with you, and I think this is one of the worst things in World of Warcraft right now, which is the um, the way leveling used to work, especially with like talent points and stuff like that, is that you slowly but surely kind of unlocked your sort of your spec and your rotation over time. This wasn't very true of classic because classic kind of predates the idea of like a, ro- a real rotation. Um, but at least in I definitely, In later Burning Crusade, and absolutely in Wrath of the Lich King, you had both of these sorts of effects, right? Like, one of the experiences I had leveling in Wrath of the Lich King, when there were still talent points, is the idea that, like, you're going up the tree, like, I'm going up the arms tree, or whatever, and part of what makes arms work is, you know, when your rend applies damage, you get a proc for overpower or whatever. And that's like the main sort of like rotational combo that you're going to be doing as as an arms warrior. And you unlock that like slowly over time. You get a couple of different talent points and you slot them in one, another, another kind of thing. And in modern WoW, that kind of thing doesn't really happen. You actually unlock most of your rotation fairly early on. Like the the first 20 levels, which can be completed in, you know, an hour or two, right? You will have... Most of your basic rotation in on your action bar at that point, Um, they have added certain, you know, like there will be other kind of milestones as you collect levels between you know like level 20 or maybe level 30 is a better example right like between level 30 and level 120 right but for the most part you're adding like situational stuff like cooldowns uh like movement abilities and that stuff is all like great and very useful but like at the end of the day you learn how to do your rotation around level 30 and that's the bread and butter of your gameplay and it really doesn't change all that much until you hit max level where you know you can start encountering things that are going to be you know like trinket procs or whatever else right um that are going to be like really switching uh switching your gameplay around um that kind of sucks if i'm being honest and i've leveled a lot of characters up through this experience you know i have like uh, half a dozen 120s actually probably more than that i think i have like 8 or 9 at this point um, a bunch of characters up at 110, right? Like I've gone through this process a number of different times, and so uh, the the homogeneity of the leveling experience, I think, is not doing anybody any favors in well, WoW, and it's probably why it's being revamped in um, in Shadowlands. And I think that's sort of what speaks to the level... like that's what makes the leveling process so interesting in you know, the older, like if you're somebody who got on classic and has been playing classic ever since it came out, um, that's something that probably really attracted you to the experience. You're not just leveling, you know, like your person and you're behaving the exact same way. As you hit level 20, 30, 40, you're getting new abilities that are interacting with the rest of your other abilities in unique and interesting ways. And that's really helpful. Um, so, yeah, I think that that is kind of uh like the in in a certain sense I would agree with you that the more leveling kind of got translated into other experiences, the more sort of diluted it became for a hardcore MMO experience, but I also just think that the as the level design or I'm sorry, as the combat design in MMOs began to center things like rotations, um and teaching people their rotations and we had a more concrete understanding of what it is that people are going to be sitting at their, you know, like at their computer doing with most of their time while they are playing World of Warcraft. Um, That is kind of what ended up destroying a bit of the leveling experience. Um, So. I I think
0: part of that too, just to kind of like get in, that, is that like I'm not even convinced that like the WoW core leveling experience is that good at teaching you the rotation in the first place, because for like the solo leveling experience is much different than like actual kind of like hardcore DPSing and for a couple different roles, right? Like it's not even exactly like that, right? Like, um, like leveling as like a you know a holy priest, right, is going to look like a lot of smites and not like a lot of like healing rotations for the most part. Um, and when you do do that kind of thing, right? Like, I guess you could do the the dungeon grind, which I know was popular at one point. don't know if it still is, um, which lets you like explore those rotations for like hours at a time. You're doing one, maybe two, uh, you know, different dungeons at a time to kind of get to that point. And those can become kind of samey really fast. And so um, I think part of it there is that just like the, the the kind of leveling experience isn't super reflective of kind of the the big end game stuff beginning challenges it's like super trivial um uh, as well right like it's it's not difficult to level uh in wow it's just kind of time um, which is I guess fine for what it is, but it's, it's, it's not super compelling if that makes sense.
1: yeah, I mean, this was really exacerbated when I was playing sort of like classic, like so for instance a lot of a lot of what you'll hear during classic is um is people talking about how hard it is to level, right like something I can do f- with a certain amount of success in retail World of Warcraft is go out and level one you know like whatever one to one twenty without really being in too much danger or like dying or something. Uh, whereas it's very common for you to die in, uh, in World of Warcraft classic. And like, not only that, but like dying is so much more punishing, right? Like great. There are fewer graveyards. They're farther away. You don't have flying mounts for your, for your graveyards, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's actually mostly a, an expression of impotence on the, Design of the characters and the player, if that makes sense, Um, rather than anything to do with, like, the inherent mechanics of what's going on in in Classic besides that. Really, what it is, is that in Retail WoW, I just have more control over how to, how I interact with the environment. I have defensive cooldowns that look like this or that. They have cooldowns that are reasonable, only a couple of minutes, right? In World of Warcraft, if I want to on Baron, right, my max level, level 120 Torn Warrior, if I want to pull a bunch of mobs, right and AoE them down with Warbringer Bladestorm like I was talking about last week or whatever. That's a way that I can engage multiple mobs tactically and like kill them in a fish and a quick and efficient manner. I don't really have that same sort of ability in World of Warcraft Classic. Most of the cooldowns in Classic have 30 minute timers, right? You know, for instance, the defensive cooldown for an arms warrior for bear in the arms warrior is retaliation, which parries every incoming attack. It has a three-minute cooldown, and it also reduces your passive damage taken by thirty-five percent. the The exact same ability exists in World of Warcraft Classic on on Classic Tonric except the cooldown is thirty minutes, and you only parry one attack a second. So it is both a longer cooldown. So if you fuck it up, it will like go. It will. It will go. Uh, It will be down for much, much longer, and it is definitionally weaker. It doesn't have a passive damage, you know, resist. So if you're using retaliation against the caster, that does absolutely nothing. Um, And on top of the, on top of that, you know, you can only parry one attack per second. So if you have multiple mobs all wailing on you, uh, you're you're just gonna die sort of anyway. So basically, it is the, the difference between those two experiences doesn't really have much to do with the world design the you know uh the the amount of damage the monsters are doing anything along those kinds of lines it has almost entirely to do with the fact that i have better options as a retail player than i do as a as a classic player and a lot of that is because you know like i said we have refined our understanding of what mmo gameplay looks like and should look like um but it also kind of comes down to right like you want to give players tools to win to beat to perform the game better right and you want to challenge those players to use those tools appropriately and those and that is still a challenge in things like raids horrific visions you know even questing in higher level areas right like or more dangerous areas um that's something that can really kind of like you know, like it's a point of pride for me that I can engage elite monsters because I play my class so well that even though this is something that's supposed to be dealt with by uh, a group of people, I can solo it, right? Like but I'm but I probably can't solo it on every one of my characters, right? On someone who I don't have a lot of mastery over. Um So, there's a certain amount of, like, we have understood and expanded the role of player capability and player agency such that it is kind of harder to challenge people in the leveling experience in the exact same way that we, you know, like, that we used to. Does that make sense?
0: It does. I also think that, like, I also think there's not a desire to, right? The same things that make leveling kind of... uh. Like that, the same the same things that make leveling kind of onerous are the things that kind of like the easy fix to like a, an onerous leveling process is to make it go by faster, right? And you do that by making the content easier to do. Um, and so it's, it almost feels like a band aid fix on something that needs a more significant solution, which hopefully comes with like, say, Shadowlands, um, in uh, in in in, in this in, in the WoW context, um, the way they. Handle it in Destiny is just by like giving everybody a level boost at the beginning of every year to the point where you're not so far behind. Um, which is, I guess, another way of doing it. I guess, well, technically, does it too. You get like a free character boosted, boosted to you know just below max level, um, with each expansion, which kind of indicates that like they understand what the, the problem is. I want so not, not to be super, super, uh. What's the word I want to use? Not to be super pessimistic, but, like, I wonder how much of this is also motivated by, like, the ability to sell level boosts, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. that's, like, the super, super cynical answer. Uh, that they put this there. That way you give them $40 to skip the... Uh,
1: no, that was something that came up all the time at Square Enix when they... Uh, for a long time, people didn't want there to be the the level boost potions. Um, and uh, And when they got added, people constantly... Talked about how, oh, they're just trying to sell potions. It's like, you know, it's obviously a very cynical kind of like understanding of, uh, of kind of the world. And from my point, you know, from my point of view, that is kind of ridiculous. Um, but it definitely, yeah, people look at that stuff and they sort of see, you know, they see motivation behind, like motivated reasoning behind it. Like, oh, they're just trying to sell more level boosts. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, uh, so so a couple comments on that. One, like, it doesn't have to be the explicit reason to be a contributing factor, right? Like, you know, maybe they're not doing explicitly to sell level boosts, but like maybe level boosts Are kind of a reason why you don't prioritize that as like oh yeah yeah yeah
1: like you're in a dev like the devs are in a meeting and they say okay what should we focus on well I want to upgrade the auction house well I think that the leveling experience should be better and then somebody goes well you know what like if some if the leveling experience sucks they can just buy a boost let's focus on the auction house
0: that or I mean even kind of in, in the slightly darker version of that right like you know you know well like let's say. Let's say, you know, the options are auction house or leveling spirits. And in this theoretical uh, theoretical um, uh, example, they take exactly the same amount of time and resources to fix, right? Like fixing one of these eliminates the revenue stream or like lessens the revenue stream. The other one doesn't, right? Like that's, that's like slightly more cynical but still kind of like, you know, something I could see happening, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, especially if like the final call that gets made by somebody who's got like more of a mind for bottom line than uh than gameplay. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I think there are certainly that that is much more possible to me. Um, and it's one of those things like it's kind of an intent sort of thing because if somebody were to tell me, I think that you know I think they have deprioritized the leveling experience, you know, over time. Because they put in level boosts, and so they kind of think that that is a, f- a fix to the, to the bad gameplay of, of leveling right like that that reads more uh, yeah. than someone saying like they are actively you know what I mean like
0: attempting to book more money out of you yeah to yeah.
1: milk more money yeah yeah, yeah like that kind of thing there is very little i mean i've been working in the games industry for you know half a decade at this point there is very little malice among any of like the people that i have ever met and i have never seen you know like i I've, I've just never seen anything along those kinds of lines um to suggest that people are making those kinds of right like really you know like <laughs> Like, dark room, you know, like, yes. decisions, very conspiratorial sort of decisions. All of the, you know, like, stuff happens, and it sucks, and it's not great, but, like, it is the result of too much to do, not enough time, crunch, all these other sorts of factors. It's never just, like, wanton malice.
0: Yeah. Um, that being anyway. said, I I do want to highlight that in the example that you particularly talked about, which was Final Fantasy fourteen, is... Um, I actually really like the Final Fantasy Fourteen leveling process, just because it's like very story rich, um, mm-hmm. and I and that's part of the big draw of that game. To 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 be honest, um, although
1: I, I actually I think that is, that is the reason that they are changing while WoW leveling for Shadowlands is they looked at how the story rich leveling experience in fourteen kind of kept people engaged, and they were like, you know what, we have hi- we have history here, we have great stories. Why are we kind of telling people to play the first, you know, zone and a half of Northrend and then miss Pandaria? And then, like, why don't we just let them play through the entirety of it end-to-end? Um, and, uh, and I think that that's like, that's, like, a real thing. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, although I will say that 14th leveling experience is probably too long. Um, I have...
1: Yeah, because you have to do – see, the, the other thing that's interesting to me is that you have to do the endgame con- content. Right? Like, you have to progress through the raid tiers, um, which is a little bit weird.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's also matchmates, so it's not a huge deal. Sure.
1: Uh, but, it, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. I also think that there's less of it. You know, like, imagine doing something like, like that for World of War, like, Jesus Christ. You know, you have to kill Ragnaros. No, you have to kill Anixia. Then you kill Ragnaros. Then you kill Nefarian. Then you kill Cthune, Then you kill Kel'Thuzad. And that just gets you out of Classic? That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. No, I, I absolutely. I think uh I don't know. I I think that Final Fantasy 14 definitely has its problems, right? Like I mm-hmm. I hit the end game of uh of the fr- of the of you know of, of 2, right? Like of 2.0. Um and then there's like 100 quests in between and that's like famously the sticking point that everybody hates. Yeah, um Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh I just kind of uh faltered there. Apparently that's a thing that in like maybe a year they're considering patching out. So you know maybe yeah, I'll give yeah. it a try that.
1: We heard that for a long time. not internally, just like yeah. as a as a uh a thing in the community, right? people people really wanted to make the bridge from a realm reborn to Heaven's Word a lot easier. Or was it a realm reborn yes. to Heaven's Word? Okay. Yes,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, see, part of it is, I think, is it's like different incentive structures. Like, something that I actually like about a lot of the design of certain pieces of, like, the WoW end game is that, um, It is, like, doable and, like, arguably very valuable, but, like, not necessary to kind of complete that stuff. Like, so, for instance, right now, if you want to get the allied races, right, if you want to unlock the allied races, you have to do, you know, you have to progress all the way through the war campaign, which is a whole bunch of quests. You have to get, like, reps to max level and stuff like that. And, you know, and there are some people who are mad about that or whatever, right? But I think that's actually kind of, like, a reasonable ask. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, like how many characters are you really gonna, are you really gonna have, maybe you want to be a completionist like me, and you want to unlock all of them, that's fine, right, like put the work in if you want to sort of like do that kind of thing, um, but otherwise, you know, if you don't give a shit, if you, if you're not interested in playing a Void Elf or a High Mountain tauren or whatever else the case may, you know, be, then you don't have to kind of like, you don't have to do that work, essentially, you don't have to do those hundred quests, um, or whatever, the, or whatever the case may be. But doing those hundred quests still carries with it, like, a valuable reward. So that three years from now, when we're out of Shadowlands and we're playing World of Warcraft, you know, I don't know, fucking the return of Deathwing or something. Um, people are still going to be going back and, you know, progressing through the Battle for Azeroth War campaign because they are like, oh, man, I really want to play a Dark Iron Dwarf. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense.
1: Um, And I think that that is a system that WoW seems to be prioritizing more than anything right this moment in 8.3. I described a little bit about how the mechanics of this worked last week, but just to, like, re-up everybody... there's a new piece of content called a horrific vision, right? Horrific visions are instanced versions of Orgrimmar and Stormwind that are, like, difficult content to, you know, like, they have bosses, they have mechanics, they have all these other sorts of things that you need to worry about. You can do them solo or you can do them in a group of up to five. Um, and the idea is that the more horrific visions you do, the more you earn powerful currency that makes you better at horrific visions, right? So right now, I mean, it's been out for a couple of weeks, and I'm staying on I'm on basically the cutting edge. Um, though I, I did fuck up a couple of runs. Um where even now I can't clear a full vision, right? Like I can do maybe one or two of the five total objectives in the amount of time. I have, and then I immediately have to, like, exit because I just, like, don't have the amount – I don't have, like, the resistance that I need or whatever. And over time, you're going to be building that higher and higher and higher. You're going to be getting better and better, more and more efficient. You're going to get better gear, all this other sorts of stuff to make the visions more efficient. But the interesting thing to me is that in order to get access to a vision, you have to buy something called a vessel, right? And vessels are, you know, like 10,000 – of a of a resource that you get, and in a and in any individual week, a an engaged player let's let's put it that way like a player who logs in, who does the dailies every day, who is completing the you know like the assaults and stuff like that, probably putting about an hour of their time into World of Warcraft on a daily basis, um, is going to get four vessels over the course of that week, right? Um, and so it puts this and and so this is like a radically different structure than i think we've really like realistically ever seen in world of warcraft surrounding how people can access the content right in a way you have to grind to do the fun stuff and pe- and that's a negative way of putting it or whatever right um but i actually think that another way of looking at that is that you it puts a fun goal at the end of the grind right you are grinding for something that is like worthwhile and that makes the grind more fun and fulfilling at least that's been my experience um and i think that that's like a really interesting way to approach it because it's a little bit like you know somebody going and doing the war campaign or whatever you don't have to do horrific visions if you want uh you don't have to do horrific visions to stay on top of you know, like, the gear curve, the gear that you're going to be getting out of Ny'alotha the Raid or out of PvP is going to be honestly better than, than Horrific Visions, even Mythic+. Plus. Um, but, uh, but if it is something that you want to do, right, like, it is going to require you to invest, you know, your, like, your time and energy into it. Um, and I just think that's, like, really interesting. Uh, how, when I describe that system to you, what's your, what's your like, reaction to its design?
0: Um, honestly, it's, I I don't know, it it seems fine, right, I I, I honestly don't have, have a super strong reaction to it, it seems to be about right where, like, kind of these MMO progression systems kind of have been going, right, like, um... Uh, You you see it in, like, it it sounds honestly kind of similar to the way that, like, uh, certain aspects of Destiny work, right? Like, you're locked, I guess, uh, maybe not so much. But, but,
1: uh,
0: like, the the kind of, uh, the pieces there all seem to kind of, like, you know, indicate, it's kind of like a, a thing you need to do piece by piece rather than being able to do it all at once, which... I don't know how I feel about it in, in total just because like, I think that it's, it's, it, 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 there's a couple of tensions here, right? Like, um, uh, I, I think that like MMOs just kind of thinking about it, MMOs are kind of like forecasted the entire kind of games as a service movement is what I'm going to call it. Um, and as, the games as a service thing kind of refines itself. I think MMO is back refining themselves to kind of like bend back to like that kind of middle line, and this kind of sounds like that. And uh, you know, I don't mean that as like a, a total negative, right? Like, um, I, I don't like. There's there's one aspect of this is like you need to keep people hooked as long as possible, that way they engage more with the system, and you know, either keep paying your subscription or keep buying my transactions or whatever. And, like, again, that's, like, the super most cynical end of it. But the other end of this, too, is, like, you know, well, the purpose of the game is to be kind of a long lifestyle thing where you're constantly engaging with it in kind of a social way as well. Um, And you kind of need reasons to keep coming back in order for it to succeed on that front. Um, and I think kind of, like, everything seems to, like, be hitting that balance and... Or, like, be in service of that balance. And uh, that sounds like a reasonable way to approach it, right? Like, it's kind of like a thing you can't buy your way past, um, which, you know, isn't really a problem in any of the games that we're talking about. But it's a thing that that happens sometimes, like, especially in, like, the free-to-play MMO side of things. Um, And it's a thing that, like, while it keeps you in – keeps your your sub up, essentially, I don't think that's too much of a problem because you could just – opt to not do it if you really wanted to yeah i
1: mean this is part of what i like about i mean this is a system that has it was cheered at blizzcon when they announced they were getting rid of it but this is part of what i like about the azerite or like the uh, like the artifact power system is uh is it does sort of provide something to be ground out that makes you more powerful but like in a very long term sort of way right like at the end of the day me grinding azurite power to increase the eye level of my neck is really like my of my of my neck piece is like just not that effective right like it is not a good return on my time compared to somebody who is logging in for you know, a couple of hours per week to do the the biggest bang for your buck stuff, right? Maybe they do a raid, maybe they do a warfront and get like the high eye level gear that you get out of that. Maybe they do you know a couple of other pieces of it and they call it uh, they call it a day. But I but I do like that it gives me as a highly engaged player something to do on my main account, um, or on my main character at any given time, right? Compared to a world where there is kind of no reason to do to be doing the 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 like the grindy stuff on bairn because at the end of the day you know like you've hit you you've hit your power allocation for the week and you're not gonna get any more powerful you're capped right I think that feeling sucks and obviously I don't know how they're changing it at the moment we still have Azra power right um but if they do change it into a place where it's kind of like there isn't a great incentive for players to highly engage on one one or more of their characters i think that would be a mistake
0: yeah um i think i think i think that this actually this particular design thing i think hits a hits a weird point where like kind of like generalized power ups that are over the very long term that are just kind of ground out in general tend to not be super compelling um, so the, the analog to this, um, that I'm thinking of is in destiny two, every season you get a new artifact and, uh, um, it kind of scales infinitely, but like it gets harder and harder to get to the next power level, right? And it'll give you one for each, for each, uh, kind of point in, in the artifact, you get like another, uh, uh, light level, which is effectively the same as an, as item level. And that just gets laid on top of everything. Um, But, like, you just kind of – it's just experience, right? Like, it levels up and eventually you hit it. Because it's not, like, a thing that you target specifically, it just kind of happens, you get it by doing anything. But that means that kind of, like, you don't think about it, right? Like, it's not like, you know, for the most part, I'm not targeting getting super high amounts of experience just to level up my artifact. Just kind of let that happen while I'm doing other things. It kind of ends up where it ends up, Um and I find that that's not super compelling, and it sounds like that like that is my recollection of what happened with artifact power and the little bit of battle for Asbel I played at the beginning, which is kind of like whatever. This will eventually level up, and then I won't care about it. Um, uh, is is d- does that sound about right you you, you So you,
1: it's, so I do think that that's you know obviously that makes sense I get I get where you're coming from but actually it is not the experience like the thing that got them to get rid of artifact powers the opposite end of the spectrum where people felt pressured to hardcore grind because there was this essentially okay so essentially there was this open-ended piece of power that was always there for them right you can only run a certain number of raids a week you can only do you know a certain number of whatever else a a week but you can effectively just sit down and grind azurite power until your eyeballs bleed if that's you know like if that's what you want to do and for some super highly motivated players they felt a need to do that right like they felt a like if they were not Working insanely hard to just grind out levels, like Azerite gear levels, um, by doing things that have really low rewards, getting high into the diminishing returns um, They they felt like there was a piece of, you know, like they felt like they weren't optimized right, and so in order to kind of satisfy their kind of self perception of optimization that has now been stripped does that make sense? So it's kind of coming up from the opposite end, right? Like what you're describing is kind of like the casual end. You see that you see those diminishing returns. You see that it doesn't really unlock all that much power for you. And you just kind of be like, ah, well, whatever it'll, it'll, you know, I'll, I'll make it over time. Basically everything rewards a little bit of AP. Well, we'll get to the other end when we get there. Uh, but the reason it was changed was kind of from the top down, right, which was these people who felt like in order to be competitive, in order to be the optimized version of themselves that are doing the highest amount of damage, etc., um, they needed to sit and grind and do this thing and sort of, like, endlessly pull thim- like pour thimbles of artifact power into, you know, the swimming pool of uh the necklace until they eventually fill it all up and they can be you know like and they can kind of be like done with it or whatever and you know i would argue that that, you know my argument has been the same for these kinds of players for all time which is that people uh are obsessing about you know fractions of points of dps at that point Um, and it's just, you know, it's just like not worth it. But at the end of the day, you know, these people felt that way. And in the same way that like they changed rest experience from a penalty to a bonus, even though the system is entirely the same. And it was all about the mindset. Well, you know, I guess it's the same sort of thing, right? It is all the problem here is the mindset, but you know what the, um, the problem here is the mindset but sometimes you change the system to account for the mindset.
0: You know, that that makes that makes sense. I think that there's maybe a couple of pieces in here too is that like, you know, destiny has like even if you like get super high up but like you kind of only can get so much more powerful than the content, right? Like you get to a point where like you're sh- it's not like you'll start one-shotting things with like you know, one submachine gun bullet or whatever. It'll it'll cap your power. It's it'll cap your effective power at some point um uh and so like there's not as much need to push past with with the uh with the artifact um and uh I you know also i th- I think that destiny has a lot maybe it's, it's maybe it's not a lot more cap for skill but it's a lot like it's much easier to be very bad at destiny I think than it is to be very bad at Wow, and I think that's just a function of maybe that's not quite true, but I think it's a function of the fact that the first person shooter requires a lot of kind of like dexterity that isn't super required in WoW if that makes sense. Um and so like it's easier to it it makes more sense to try and differentiate yourself with power gains in WoW than it does in Destiny. But I, I I think I think your point is still mostly solid. Um
1: yeah and you know and i don't and I don't think that this is something that's like an impossible thing to do um you just gotta have to kind of like put the right in you know in the same that we were kind of talking about how like the story rich environment of fourteens leveling is kind of like correct, but like maybe you can do something like wow, where you put valuable things that are optional, I think you do the same sort of thing right like. You know, in Shadowlands, you don't have artifact power. You have us. The system that they're talking about is called anima. And uh, you just need to generate a certain amount of anima each week to kind of like power yourself up. And it's a very small, attainable number. But excess anima can then be spent on like currencies. Or I'm, I'm sorry, it can then be spent on like cosmetics and shit. Right. And that's something that would like, you know, hypothetically, I could find myself motivated by, you know, repping up and doing and getting this currency and using all of my excess anima on bairn to be buying you know the big expensive whatevers and that's and that's kind of fine um so you know it it is like i said before it's kind of like all about execution when it comes to this stuff um and what are the valuable things that you are putting at the end of you know like at the end of the rainbow here um And it's funny because, like, something that you see more and more in WoW is how much they understand what things. Like, people really value mounts, obviously. Um, So, there's a lot of, like, mounts that will be available for folks um, who are farming, uh, like, gear and, like, farm, or, like, farming um, uh, content. You'll also see pets, like, the little, you know, um, pet rewards. You'll also see certain traits excuse me, transmog rewards, right? Like those are the things that animate people to do stuff. And so they've been employing that stuff kind of, uh, kind of liberally.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, that, that makes, that makes sense. Um. So, uh, so kind of shifting gears a little bit. I had, I had a thought about kind of why we kind of ended up here um and maybe this is kind of like a more fundamental problem with the way the game the, the game was the game the, the kind of genre is defined let me know what you think of this so um the mmorpg experience is kind of in its in its conception modeled off of the single player rpg experience but the difference here is an MMO is designed to go on forever Whereas a single player RPG, you kind of level through. And by the time you hit what is effectively the cap, um, in most cases, you're near the end of the game, right? Like this isn't universally true, but essentially you you, you level up. And then when you hit, like you kind of hit the edge of your power curve, and then you have a bit more to go. And then the game's over. But then you kind of put that down and you walk away um, for the most part. Um, And I think that the initial MMOs were kind of built on that. But once you kind of hit the edge of the power curve, you still need to keep playing because it's, it's a game that's supposed to go on forever, right? And I think that's maybe why um, Vanilla and Classic, right, like, had those long leveling curves because it was effectively trying to imitate, say, JRPGs and, and Western and CRPGs of, of, of the past where, like, you just kind of, like, kept growing and, you know, m- you wanted to have the full game experience inside of that leveling experience. Um And we've talked about how we've gotten kind of past that. And and maybe just this leveling process is just kind of an artifact of that original design. And I think what kind of brings us into stark relief is, is kind of the fact that everything has a leveling system now, right? Like I keep thinking about how like the call of duty leveling system ties into this. Um, And part of that is that you, you level up and you get access to more weapons. And then when you hit the peak, you can reset and start the, the leveling process again, get access to everything again. But fundamentally, um with with that with with those games um uh, with with the call of duty games in particular, you're not like um you're not like locking yourself like, like you're excuse me you're still playing the core game through the whole thing right like every call like a call of duty match is a call of duty match, and maybe you've got less weapons available to you in it, but it's still a call of duty match um yeah. th- does the does that make sense
1: yeah, no, I actually do get that, and it's funny because like I you know like they tried a system like that, and wow, but it just didn't work um in the PVP right like there was honor and as you attained honor you opened up talents but you could when you hit honor level 50 you could reset and get to 51 52 53 and certain things were hidden behind like honor level 100 honor level 150 honor level 200 right um and uh but the power hit that people took from resetting Was too much and they would and they weren't doing it. So the wow team was like, you know what? Okay, that's fine. Once you hit honor level 50, you just keep gaining infinitely and you never lose access to all of your honor tiers ever again. Um, which is which is kind of interesting to me,
0: yeah. And so, if if I remember correctly, like that's all like power stacked on top of it, right? Like it's not like more options for at least for the most part, right? Um, or like I think there, like this, this is the kind of thing that happens in MMOs uh, that don't happen in the kind of the FPS world as much, mm-hmm. um, especially on kind of like the arcade shooters or in like Destiny, right? Like, um, I'm sure that someone came up with a list of what the best talents are because I'm, I'm remembering Draenor where like you leveled up through it and like not like like the first X number of levels gave you access to the first row. of pvp talents and then like as you leveled up further you got different options in the columns but i'm sure that there's like an optimal set somewhere that someone came up with a list for um and like when you reset like that is a power hit right whereas with uh with like cod right like there's viable like there's viable weapons at every kind of breakpoint. and maybe you know people argue that like if it's just, that some of those are um available from the beginning you never change anything up but like resetting lets you like just play with something different and similar thing happens in destiny right like um, for the most part, at least when I when you know, pe- people complain a lot about this, and this is a separate discussion, but, like, as you level up and you get different weapons, you can just kind of switch out your weapons, and it doesn't, it's not like, it's not like you're you're, you're not going to be able to complete the raid because you're using the wrong uh, weapon, right? Like, you might have to take a little bit longer, right? Like, there's, like, comments about, like, what's kind of mandatory in raid, but I've never found it to be, like, strictly true, right? Like, it, it, or less strictly true than, like, it seems to be in WoW for the most part, um, and I, I bet you that's that's kind of, or at least that attitude in the player base is 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 is, is different enough.
1: Yeah, so I think it's a player base thing. At that point, uh, yeah, I don't think there is a group of gamers on the planet who are more obsessed with optimization than WoW gamers. To be honest, like WoW WoW players, um, they like you know. So, <laughs> I mean, it's funny because this like plays into. I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit, but um, I just don't think that there is the same sort of obsession with uh COD players around things like DPS that there are with WoW players. Um, which isn't to say like I think that it would be possible, right? Like it it is absolutely in my mind, possible for there to be like a meta and like builds and stuff like that that are like better or worse in COD. Right. But you will never get to the granular sorts of details that you get to in World of Warcraft with like simming, for instance, Um, which isn't even like accurate. Like simming is not an accurate way to understand your character. Right. Because like, and this is part of the point everyone understands this right like simming doesn't account for mechanics it doesn't account for movement you know like it doesn't account for any of these other sorts of things it just shows you raw numbers but people will sim their characters look at the raw numbers and treat that as a goal to try and attain right which motivates all of their decision making and so in a in a a world with you know certain talents that can be turned off if you reset well if you learn that one of those talents sims a lot better than one of those other talents it kills you if you're this kind of optimized player to reset because you will feel incredibly weak even if you're not right you will feel incredibly weak because you don't have access to that to that sort of talent i'm a little bit hyper about this because um so i talked a little bit about how uh, they changed the titan forging system um in a way that's pretty clever Essentially, what they did is Titan forging used to just sort of say every once in a while your items have a chance to like upgrade really hard right and you might get like 20 or 30 more eye level than you were expecting, and that's called the Titan Forge, right But players have always really hated Titan forging uh, for dumb reasons that I'm not going to get into and so the Wow team uh, eventually got rid of Titan forging and they have replaced it with corrupted items now corrupted items are items that give you a benefit right that kind of looks like a trinket a lot of the time it'll be like a trinket effect in the way that'll be like you every once in a while you'll summon a tentacle and that tentacle will cast mind flay on your target or like every once in a while you shoot a big beam of void from the sky and everything it hits it deals a bunch of damage to right or like stuff like that right some of them are more passive some of them are just like you just get six percent more mastery have fun um but like you know then, then there are like the trinket ones and the newest controversy And I feel so bad for the wow guys that they have to deal with this. The newest controversy is now people are pissed because when they get corrupted items, they can't tell. Oh, okay. And so the other half of the, I'm sorry, I have to explain this. Um, And the thing is, is that all of those items give you that benefit, but they also do what, they also quote-unquote corrupt your character. And as your character gets more and more corruption, kind of like a stat, kind of like more and more haste or something, as they get more and more corruption, bad things happen to them, right? Like detrimental effects. At first it's simple, right? Like every once in a while you just get hit by a move speed debuff. And then the second one is every once in a while you'll summon a zone where you take increasingly more and more damage as long as you stay inside the zone. And then you'll... Spawn little ghosts of yourself that run towards you and you have to cc the ghost before it hits you otherwise it explodes and deals like half your health and damage or whatever and it just like goes all the way up until you're eventually just dealing less damage and taking more damage by a flat modifier if you're just like full to the brim of fucking corruption if you're just like chugging corruption like coronas okay um nobody would ever chug a corona i don't know why i said that um <laughs>
0: corona uh,
1: corruption. Yeah, right. The most chuggable beer, chugging corruption like maddie oh, lights. Is that, well, is that more relatable, Mango? No,
0: no, no. I, I was just thinking that the choice, the choice of like a disease like thing associated with corona is uh, is particularly apt at this. Uh, oh, right. In yeah, industry. the coronavirus. Yeah, it's right. on
1: my mind. But anyway, so you have the ability to wipe corruption off of your items right let's say you get a pants and those pants are a higher eye level but they have corruption and you're already pretty high into corruption and you don't want to unlock the later levels of corruption well you can just take it to a person say hey cleanse this item and they'll say okay cool they cleanse both the corruption from the item but also the beneficial effect right which puts people in this position where they have to you know they get a couple of different items they're all corrupted they can't wear every piece of them but they want to choose what, what is the item that I want to cleanse, right? Um, and what is the item that I want to keep the corruption on? And the controversy is people don't have a good sense for what the cor- like which of the corruptions are higher DPS boosts. And therefore, they feel obligated to sim their characters in order to figure that out. And, like, somebody tweeted earlier today, he was like, uh, does anyone else find it, like, a little bit weird that Blizzard expects you to use a third-party simming program in order to understand what the best corrupted item is? And I just want to scream at this person. Blizzard is not forcing you to sim your character. (laughs) Yeah, They're not forcing you to do anything. All you need to do is read it. You just play with it a little bit. Do you like this effect? Do you think this effect is useful? Make your own decisions. You're not a robot. Like... But like this is the this is the WoW community, mango. I'm sorry, but like and that is the kind of thinking that motivates these sorts of players, and it's a unique it's a unique brand of thinking uh, so, compared to other sorts of MMOs.
0: So you know, I I, I get that, and I, I, I don't know how unique it is. Right, I, I'm just getting flashbacks to like people like on the Paizo forums, like making guides about like what the optimal like you know dpr is for different builds it's like you're playing a fantasy game that's make-believe right like it, it really doesn't matter <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah yep uh, <laughs> it is like honestly this is like the most munchkin thing of all time right it, there are munchkins for wow right yeah oh I mean, god I,
0: and like so i i get like i get the desire to be the best right but i i think I think that that's kind of, like, the 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 missing point, right? Like, part of, like, the, the brilliance of you as, like, the best WoW player should be the ability to, you know, like, be like, ah, well, tentacles plus beam gets me, you know, like, gives me higher performance on average than, like, 6% mastery and, like, you know, orbs, right? But it gives me less survivability and, you know, I actually get better performance in the raid because even though I'm taking the less DPS option, I have, like, you know, I have to, like get healed less or something, right? Or, like, it frees up a healer so the rate performs better. Right? That's the type of thing that you're supposed to be, like, you know, thinking about on, like, a, I think on a mass scale to kind of make these things, uh, to make the, the game more compelling. But, like, I feel like it's it's hard to to consider those things as kind of, like, a, a holistic whole, especially since the, you know, it's, it's hard to compare against other people right which is it which is which is at the end of the day what, what you want to do right is like because the game is like mostly team-based the best thing you can court you can you can uh, uh kind of coordinate is like actual numbers right like like dps numbers or um uh what's the other what's the other one i want to talk about it's it's the same uh it, or um or like you know sim numbers and and you know you can't like You can't, like, it's much harder to write an equation that's, like, you know, overall effect on the raid by, like, having to be healed less type of deal, right? Like, um,
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit like I was describing last week, where the, uh, you know, a lot of the times the optimal thing for your DPS is, like, not the optimal thing for your raid, and people just need to kind of, like, come to understand that. But I do think that there is that sort of, like, second sense. Like, I was having this conversation about Magic the Gathering with people this weekend, Um because I went to a rap party where I was, you know, like hanging out with some of my friends who play magic and they play, you know, like they they've played for a long time um but they've always played much more casually. They're very kitchen, ta- kitchen table players rather than Me, who, you know, like, I'm playing not just Magic, but, like, Hearthstone, right? And, like, I have a good understanding of concepts like tempo and value and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I know to be on the lookout for win more cards. I know to kind of, like, make... make certain kinds of decisions about the the cards that I'm looking at. And it was one of those things where um, people were talking about their decks and I recommended a website. And I just kind of said, hey, here is this website. It just collects tons and tons of cards. And you can look at all the cards with the same sort of thing. And they were very daunted by this, right? And as we sort of discussed it, it's because, like, when they look at a magic card, they need to process it on a very sort of... Cr- crunchy level that can get overwhelming, right? If you're looking at a hundred different cards, whereas like, because I've been playing for 20 years and at high levels, right? It's very easy for me to sort of like shuffle through a deck and quickly identify, right? If you hand me a deck, let's say I, I show up at your house, you want to play some commander, you hand me one of your spare commander decks that you magically have or whatever. I can just l- shuffle through that deck, look through it, get a sense of what it is. Where, what are my win conditions? What are the best cards in the deck? What should I be prioritizing? Right? What does my mana base look like? Et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's not a skill that everybody has. That's something that you have to like learn, right? Um, and it's a sort of second sight or like a second language, you're speaking another language that these people haven't necessarily kind of like earned. And I think that's the thing that like the WoW players are sort of farming out to Sims, right? Is they are, they are looking, they're, they're kind of like offloading that thought process onto Sims rather than sort of like engaging with, you know, like engaging with the mechanics on their own. Um, and that's, you know, I don't want to, I've been really mean to these sorts of wild players. I'm sorry, bros. I know some of you, you're, you're, you're great guys. But, so, uh,
0: so I, I want to offer an alternate kind of take on that, which I think is related, but it's, it's, I don't think it's that like, they're necessarily farming that off. It's that the game is like closely balanced enough that it's actually kind of, and, and like the factors are so kind of myriad, that it's actually kind of, uh, hard to see. Right? Like, it might be hard to kind of, like, in this kind of shuffling through the deck analogy, right? Like, if I handed you, like, two blue control decks that, like, mostly work on the same thing but have, like, you know, like, 15% different cards, you might not be able to immediately tell, like, what the kind of... Uh, what, what the oh, kind what of... the
1: better deck is. Okay, that's clever. I, I That's actually pretty fair, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter that much, you know, given the other factors in Magic, this case is, like, random draws, but, wow, it's like, you know, like does, like, 3% extra DPS actually matter that much, right? Um, but, like, the, the the desire to optimize is still kind of there, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and that's the best way you can do it. Um, especially, mm-hmm. like, you know, just kind of thinking about it, right? Like, if you're in a 20-person raid, like, figuring out, like, what of your actions is, like, significantly affecting, uh, like, different pieces of the raid is just, like, going to be super hard to... F- super hard to figure out even if you do have a good sense for kind of the way that these pieces interlock. Um and that's not to excuse it, just to kind of explain like why like why you would you would put that out to a sim just because like it, it it's 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 other it's kind of invisible to the naked eye but like there there's like a a a, a minute but real difference underneath. Yeah. If,
1: yeah, I mean, I think really at the end of the day the practicality of Sims is as a um as a sort of baseline to understand you're you're not looking for little trends you're looking for big ones right and people focus on the little stuff you should be using a sim and like learning a sim to like See if you're gonna have a a giant gap in your DPS between one or the other. But saying you need to sit, you need to like resim your character every time, every like every time you get a specific piece, like new piece of gear. I think is like kind of ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, I'm gonna compare two builds, like talent outputs, right? And one of them is like 50k DPS less. Well, that's that's reasonable. It's like saying, okay, I get it, right? Like one of these is sort of like definitively weaker. But if the if the difference between the two of them is so if like really that small at that point you can just kind of make the decision that you want to make in order to be pretty pretty good and pretty strong at at what you're doing um and at the end of the day the skill of you know good raiders are going to come out in not the people who do obsessive simming but the people who do the mechanics in the most efficient way or whatever the case may be right um yeah so yeah
0: yeah um yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's about it, right? Must you have any yeah, final yeah. thoughts?
1: Yeah, I guess that is. I I have no more thoughts. That's that's where that's. I feel fine ending it there.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, in that case, how was your week?
1: Uh how was my week? I did a bunch of stuff this week, to be honest with you. Um, you know, like the same sort of wow stuff, but we just talked a lot about wow, so I won't I won't focus on it too much. Um, but the uh but two interesting things happened one is the new Hearthstone adventure released this is an adventure that's like a throwback to the classic ones where you go and you fight bosses in like you know um kind of like old Naxxramas or Blackrock Mountain or whatever um but one of the interesting things about this suite of adventures is the sort of way that um the normal and heroic mode works in normal mode. You get a deck, like it gives you a deck and that deck is typically like not made out of regular cards It's made out of like special cards with like special guys and a special hero power, which is actually like pretty fun and interesting. Um, And then in heroic mode, you do the same fights, but you can, you build your own deck for it. Right. And what essentially this means is that like in normal mode, you and an overpowered, you are pretty powered up because you're playing with this special deck um, and you're p- playing an overpowered boss, right? But when you're in heroic mode, you are you're just playing like with regular standard or wild cards. Um and so you kinda have to like do that thing where you like figure out, okay, well how am I gonna defeat the heroic uh the kind of the heroic encounter. Um, unfortunately I find this to be much less replayable than the dungeon runs have been. Those are I could just like grind out, you know, five or six of them. It just in a row because like each run is different but obviously like grinding the same sort of like heroic fights are interesting but the thing that I'm doing here is I am limiting the decks that I can play to like one per boss so like the, for instance it's actually pretty easy to win some of these heroic encounters by assembling an essentially an Exodia deck um, where like so for instance you the old time warp uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice Archmage is combo where you put four Sorcerer's Apprentice on the board. You cast a zero mana spell, get a fireball. Fireball is now zero mana. You just fireball face 50 times or whatever it is. Um, that's actually not that hard to pull off in heroic. And I would bet that most of the encounters could be solved with some version of that kind of combo mage. Um, but in order to make things harder for myself and like more interesting uh I am building unique decks every time. Uh, and it's actually kind of fun because part of what makes it part of what's nice about it being in wild is that I can kind of like revisit some of those decks sort of like that combo mage, which used to be a meta deck, but now the combo pieces have all rotated out obviously. Um, and kind of going back to some of those deck archetypes and pulling them out of the pulling them out of the bin. like one of the things that I did was an odd warrior um, like a, like an odd control warrior, which was, uh, which was really fun to play into one of the big bosses. Also, a lot of the bosses have like fun little mechanics. Um, like one of them is an elemental and he has like, he's like eight molten giants in his deck and he starts at 130 life. So the first time I fought the boss, I was, just, I was just doing whatever. I was doing little chip damage on his face. And then all of a sudden he drops like nine eight eights and I'm like, oh, fuck me. Like, I guess I lose, um, so, like, and then that kind of becomes, like, how you build the deck the next time. So, that's been, like, fun. Uh, I, I think one of the things that I would, that I could see myself coming to Magic the Gathering Arena for would be, like, really compelling single-player content like that. I don't know if they would ever do it or if they would ever be interested in it. My gut says they're probably not all that concerned with, like, that sort of single-player stuff. But, boy, oh, boy, is it really engaging in Hearthstone.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that sounds, it sounds like... Uh... Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I haven't touched Hearthstone in a while. Um, and Magic, Magic I'm out of for the moment. But like MTGA, like the AI isn't particularly good. And they don't seem to be interested in that kind of thing. And also like I think it's a little bit harder to do because like you don't have the uh, the hero in the same way. That really provides kind of like a focal point and a personality to build kind of a theme around. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I just also don't see them making cards – for MTGA that don't exist kind of like in the core game yeah right yeah
1: Yeah, i mean something that i found really interesting uh is i was having a conversation about magic and about hearthstone it was somebody who never played hearthstone and um and when i described heroes and hero powers it reminded them of commander um because in a commander obviously you always have access to your commander and your commander kind of like dictates how you can build your deck and stuff like that and, uh, and I never really thought about the similarities before, but it actually kind of, like, makes a lot of sense in a certain sense, right? Like, Hearthstone does kind of operate under that kind of, like, commander mindset, which I think is pretty, like... You know, like, that's pretty powerful. It's pretty interesting. Um, and uh, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Um, Have you just been playing Destiny? What's, no. what's been on, uh, what's so, been on so I, docket?
0: I've got a handful of things. Uh, first, um, uh, yesterday... I went and I played a game called Piku Niku, which is 99 cents. It was from Devolver it's from Devolver Digital. It's on like some deep discount which is why it's 99 cents. Um I beat it in about two hours. It's a fun little game. It's like a like an adventure game with like cute little shapes. I thought it was neat. Didn't think it was super, super compelling, but like for ninety nine cents I'm not gonna complain. Um uh the uh other thing uh that i did game wise is i uh i booted up witcher 3 um just kind of thinking about it and then i went to look at some mods to see like what the what the current mod consensus is and i think buddy you will be happy to know that the most popular mods as of late are all like ones that make Geralt look like henry Kevill um from the uh from the netflix series oh my god (laughs) um so you know that's uh that I, I did not install one of those mods because I didn't care. But like you know, I modded a little bit. I went and played a little bit, and it's you know, it's it's a it's a good game. I really want to get deeper into it. But like you know, I just I spent so much time setting up my mods that I didn't actually end up playing it that much. Um, especially since there was Iron Banner and Destiny to do. But I think on a more exciting note, I saw two movies that I want to talk about this week. I saw um, the Gentleman, which is a Guy Ritchie movie, and I saw Color Out of Space. Um, which is by, I believe, Richard Stanley but and and uh, stars Nicolas Cage, um, among others, including, like, Tommy Chong, weirdly enough. Um, I'll talk about The Gentleman first. Um, it's a very Guy Ritchie movie. It's fairly funny, fairly clever. It's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it's a good time. Um, if you like, say, like, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, I think you'll enjoy uh, The Gentleman. Um, it is kind of like a thriller. It's got, like, it's got colin farrell as uh as like a coach he's he's it's like a boxing coach he's a secondary character i should point out that like the the prime the 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 kind of like central character is matthew mcconaughey who plays an american who managed to make it to like cambridge or oxford one of the big english universities and like started a drug empire out of that and it's kind of like wacky hijinks all around that I don't think the trailer or like the commercials at least I'd seen were very representative of the movie itself it's much more about um uh it makes it seem like it's kind of like a face-off between like this old uh old old Matthew McConaughey and young Asian uh other gang leader type person it's not that it's mostly just about McConaughey and uh him trying to sell off his business to get out of the game um but I found it very entertaining and very funny in, in that kind of Guy Ritchie way um, uh, the movie that I was more impressed by was a uh, color out of space. Um, you know, it's, so the, I, I has been, I think I read the color out of space by Lovecraft a long time ago, but it's, um, it's been a while if, at least. And, uh, you know, there's certain things that don't work as well in the film, um, uh, primarily being the color thing, right? It's supposed to be an otherworldly color that you don't quite comprehend, um, But, like, obviously, if it's on film, it's a color. and It's kind of, like, bright pink. Um, Which is, you know, it's fine. Um, But other than that particular detail, I thought this movie did a tremendous job of doing uh, Lovecraftian cosmic horror that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. Um, And it's... there's, There's a... Like, horror movies... Are more well served generally by like kind of like, uh, uh, like tension and you know kind of like solid kind of mechanics is the way I'm going to put it. Um, whereas this movie and *Cosmic Horror* is better served by kind of like a creeping sense of insanity and things not making sense is kind of the point um, and uh, kind of a level of inevitability and like just like a you know like you nothing get like nothing can be done. It's like so far afield and outside of it. And just like some like really visceral horror. Um, and it was, it was, I thought it was terrifying. I thought it was, um, really good at kind of getting that hopelessness across. Um, and it started like it, like the Nick cage kind of like wackiness, like plays really well into this kind of like insanity theme. So I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Um, it's legitimately one of the scariest movies I've ever seen, and I would highly recommend it to anybody who likes Lovecraft and likes horror movies. Uh,
1: okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, I do. The, the funny thing is that I've been running into a lot of like Lovecrafty stuff with all this like old god shit and wow, but it's very on a different sort of level than what you're describing, obviously.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's just hard to to do like like. Wow, by its nature is kind of like you have to be empowered to do things. This is a thing mm-hmm. that I think comes to, that comes across in a lot of kind of Cthulhu in fantasy media, yeah. which is like you like the, the themes of what what, what cosmic Car is supposed to be are fundamentally at odds with the way that uh, that like most fantasy stuff is supposed to work. Like part of the way that say Cthulhu tabletops are supposed to work is like you're probably going to die. It's just a matter of how long you can stave it off. Whereas In kind of like, you know, D&D and like traditional fantasy, like MMOs and even like traditional sci-fi just like doesn't work that way. Yeah, the whole
1: point is you're getting more and more powerful, stronger and stronger. Your will save is increasing, all that other sorts of stuff. So it is tough to sell that like ridiculous hopelessness and insignificance in the universe as a whole when you're also someone who keeps saving the world over and over again, right?
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think at a certain level, it's just, like, an aesthetic thing. Um,
0: Yeah, that's definitely true, too.
1: You know, like, at a certain, like, people are all about... And also, it kind of, like, implies a certain set of tactics. This is the other piece of it, right? But, like, you know, Old God stuff in WoW is very, like, cryptic and mysterious and culty compared to something like The Burning Legion, which was about, like, this kind of overwhelming, right, like, omnicidal threat right like there are worlds upon worlds of legion whatever's that are going to come bear down on Azeroth to destroy it um and that might like also secretly be true of like the old gods but the old gods is all about like in like the hidden whispers right like what is Nihilotha, yeah. the sleeping city etc
0: yeah i mean kind of at the end of the day the fact that you're expected to be able to like beat an old god just kind of like kind of, like it pulls it away from like that cosmic horror thing right like the idea that yeah. you would even fight Something like that directly just doesn't make sense in like a true Lovecraftian sense. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. People are actually really mad about that, and wow, because I listen, they're mad about everything, and wow, because uh, Battle for Azeroth ends with spoiler alert: the we defeat we the Nazoth is the final boss in the raid, you, you fight him and he dies. Um, but uh, I guess people are just people. There, there's a certain sense that like. This can't be it. You know what I mean? That, like, Nazoth was too powerful and that he shouldn't kind of, like, go out like a bitch or whatever, which I sort of think is kind of a weird read on this, but okay. Um, and uh, and so, like, that's, like, a sort of, like, underlying kind of piece of, I feel like, uh, the, the old gods Cthulhu idea, right? Like, it's not something that a group of people should be able to get together and blast with a big old laser beam and it dies yeah. or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um so so question for you just kind of in in this vein, right? Like uh the stakes kind of have to keep getting higher in order for expansion to keep coming out. What do you think that like I think that like, you know, defeating like death itself somehow. I, I which is what I assume some sort of theme of uh Shadowlands is going to be. Um what do you
1: think that you beyond that? Uh, So people have talked about – so the current theory is that Shadowlands is going to take place entirely off of Azeroth, right? Like, you die and you're in Shadowlands, and, like, the idea is – in the same way that this is also true for Draenor, theoretically, you're not hopping back and forth between Draenor and Azeroth. You're not going to be hopping back and forth between the Shadowlands and Azeroth. Um, uh, The hope, I guess, is that – will come back and the next expansion will be like oh it's been you've been gone in the shadowlands time's moved differently it's been 200 years or whatever and like things are really different for not necessarily a cataclysm 2.0 but just like a a very different sort of like world state if that makes sense Hmm. uh which i think is you know a reasonable theory. Uh, we have a good amount of evidence that shadow that time moves differently in the Shadowlands, all this other sort of stuff. The thing that I'm really interested, though, is that for the kind of the first time in World of Warcraft's history, we are really legitimately venturing into unknown territory. This isn't quite true, because Pandaria was also a lot like this. Um, but, like, for most of WoW's history, we are kind of, like, unlocking otherwise pre-discovered like locations right like we'd been to outland we knew who illidan was so like and we knew Jaden the burning legion all that stuff in outland and uh, was was very predictable obviously all the stuff in wrath of the lich king we knew about northrend northrend is the setting for like half of warcraft 3 you know like that's that's part of, like, the lore. Cataclysm is referencing stuff like the Twilight Highlands and Grim Batol, right? Deathwing is a character from deep lore, but also from Warcraft 2, right? Um, Pandaria, you really only have, like, Cho and... Uh... And Brewmasters. Yeah, and, like, Brewmasters and stuff like that. So it is, like, mostly kind of, like, new stuff. Obviously, the Mogu, the Mantid, all that stuff is kind of, like, completely uh, completely sort of brand new. Where, and then after Pandaria, we do Warlords of Draenor, right? Obviously, we've been to Outland, so we understand Draenor. We understand these characters like Grom Hellscream and um, uh, like Durotan, who are like steeped in ancient, like wow lore. And then from there, we go to the Broken Isles, which is all about uh, Illidan's stuff in Warcraft 3, right? Like, you go to the Broken Isles in Warcraft 3, you're doing all this other sorts of stuff there. Suramar is something that's like a big throwback um to like night elf lore um and then battle for azeroth is doing the black empire obviously uh, but it's also doing Xandalar, which we've never sort of seen it's doing kul Tiras, right so it's like we are going to places that we've kind of expected to see and what these places sort of look like for the first time when we're going to shadowlands there is like nothing right like it there are small references to the shadowlands here and there right like for instance we think Kelthazad is in the shadowlands based on some stuff but he might he might be there he might not be there um but like for the most part like what actually is inside of the shadowlands is not something we have ever seen before uh which i think is like pretty new and pretty interesting and uh i don't know we'll 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 kind of see what happens from there i think that this is an important step for a while because they kind of like need to pay it forward a little bit for a long time we have been sort of paying off old sorts of like threats right like the lich king like illidan right like there are all these like sort of loose ends in wow lore and those loose ends have slowly been cut off right Nazath is a big one right um he's the last of the four original old gods on azeroth and um and so you know i'm i don't know i guess i'm excited to see what what they do where they kind of and where they kind of go with it um, even in Shadowlands, by the way, there's lots of throwback because, like, obviously it is the realm of death, and so like part of the advertised, you know, uh, lore of the of the expansion is that we're going to be going and hanging out with Cairn Bloodhoof and you know, K- uh, like Kalthas or whatever, as these people are all in the afterlife of of Azeroth. So even then we'll have a sort of like a character based kind of like connection to like the, the past. I think this is obviously sort of like wow's bread and butter, but, um, uh, it is neat that we're kind of going to a place that we've never really seen before.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that sounds super, super, super neat. Um, I do want, I, I am interested in kind of like the lore implications of all of that. Um, that's kind of the way you're saying all that. Like if they wanted to like like, you know, this this is obviously wild speculation, but like if they wanted to ever do like an engine cut over, it would seem that like after Shadowlands, after like a time jump type of like that would be the right time to do it. Yeah. Um, but you know, who knows about any of that? But like uh
1: yeah. No, that 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 does sound super neat. Um when is that when is that supposed to come out? uh later this year uh most people are pinning it around so one of the interesting things that we know about 8.3 for instance is that there's going to be no like typically in wow patches you have big patches small patches right um or you kind of have like big patches medium patches and like small patches are like hot fixes the big patches are like 8.3 right this releases new content to the game the medium patches are like 8.2.5 which will like include some new content but it'll mostly be like upkeep sort of things um so, for instance, you know, like, 8.1.5 included, like, a little bit of, like, heritage armor and some, like, redesigns of some systems and stuff like that. Um, 8.2.5 included, like, the end of the war storyline uh, with uh, with Silvatus. Um, and, uh, and there is going to be no 8.3.5. Um, there was a 7.3.5 for a long time. That was, like, the patch that we were on. Before Battle for Azeroth, right? Like when you came back at the end of uh, at the end of Legion, you probably were playing in like seven point three point five for a long time. But we have learned that we are just going from eight point three to 9.0. Um, so the divide doesn't seem to be that that long. Um, the patch cadence has been that it's about a patch every six months. Uh, so for instance, Nazjatar was in June or July um obviously 8.3 came out in january so six months from now june august september is probably like the projected uh sort of date that we're going to start seeing the shadowlands stuff crop up
0: yeah okay huh.
1: well i guess we'll see
0: that uh soon yeah
1: um i did have one other thing that i wanted to talk about just like very quickly and i promise this is not hashtag sponsored uh, but the new content for Mutazione came out. Mutazione is obviously published by my company, Acapara Games. Uh, but the new co- the new content included a new mode uh, with which to play the game. Now you haven't played Mutazione, right? No, I have not. Yeah, okay. Um, so in Mutatsuyoni, like the, over the course of the game, the main gameplay mechanic, right, is you're running around the environment and you're finding all these little plants and you can harvest seeds from those plants. And then there are gardens all across the island where you plant those seeds and then those those plants grow, right, over time. And, uh, and it's tied into the story, into like the narrative of what's going on. I won't spoil it for anybody, obviously. But um, uh, but the the new release is what is called Garden Mode versus that Story Mode. And in Garden Mode, you just have a garden, and you have and you have plants, and you just pl- and you just like plant them. And one of the things about the the gardens in Mutazione is that all of the uh, all of the plants uh, kind of like emit music. Um, like they're all keyed to an instrument like a wide variety of of instruments and they'll all play like kind of like little music to make it to sort of make when you have a bunch of stuff planted in your garden these sort of like ambient sound track you know it's like it is it's like it's music but it's kind of like procedurally generated in a way um and at first i was playing this for work right because i need to like generate screenshots and stuff like that but now i just find myself having it up in the background as a way to sort of like do the background music um because what happens is as you you like time will pass and uh, and your plants will grow and they'll get old and then they'll die they'll get healthy or they'll, they'll get kind of like mature and you can harvest more seeds off of them and stuff um but the interesting thing is that just, like, over time, like, new plants will hit your garden and start growing, right? Like, you start with a certain number of them, and you, then there's kind of, like, a almost like a Pokemon collect them all sort of thing where it's just, like, some plants you've seen before, some plants you haven't seen before will just, like, slowly blow in. They'll grow. You can harvest some seeds for them. They'll die, that kind of thing. Um, and I've just been playing a bunch of it, Mango. And, uh, and it's great, and it's super fun, and it's really chill. And it's just, like, the weirdest thing because uh i did not expect to do that ever (laughs) but then i but once i started playing it i was like oh i actually like i actually absolutely get it um the funny thing is that like because you're constantly cycling in and out of your uh like like of the plants in your garden and, like, certain plants can only grow in certain spots, right? Like, you'll have, like, vines that can only grow on, like, the walls. Or you'll have, like, mushrooms that can only grow in, like, special cave soil or whatever. Um, the All of the different plants have different lifespans. So even if you start by planting kind of everything, it'll all die and you'll be replacing it intermittently. And so, like, the song is kind of, like, constantly changing and evolving. And that's just, like really I, it's great i just love tending my virtual garden that's all
0: yeah no that sounds it sounds like it sounds like the same thing that people like get joy out of like stardew valley or whatever Although, the oh yeah it
1: is exactly it is very much that same sort of stardew valley kind of itch uh and i just wanted to talk about it i guess <laughs> hashtag sponsored hashtag not sponsored we're not actually sponsored but yeah. uh, obviously i work there so i just want to be clear with it really yeah good. no that's that sounds
0: it sounds it sounds very pleasant um sounds sounds very relaxing it uh, sounds very innovative as well uh but yeah I, I guess the only the other thing i'd like to mention is for those of you at home who have been thinking about going to gen con which is a thing that uh I have done for the past six ish years, and Buddy's done for the past what five, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, tickets just went on sale, and not that you have to buy them anytime soon, but housing opens on February 9th. So, if you were thinking of going, I recommend buying tickets. And I'm just offering this is kind of a public service announcement. I'm sure when we get closer, we will do our Gen Con pro tips at some point. At some point mm-hmm. during an episode, but uh, you know, uh, that's uh, it, it. They just went on sale, and I'm always excited for Gen Con. So uh about on sale yesterday actually so uh you know if you'd like to see us there get your ticket um yeah uh i think that's everything i want to talk about but do you have anything else you want to talk about
1: uh there's nothing else that i'm looking to talk about no oh
0: well, in that case you can if you want to tell us what you think of uh race to the end game or uh Wow, or any of the other things we talk about on this podcast, you reach us at somedurvesplaygames.gmail.com or podcasts at somedurvesplaygames.com. Follow us on Twitch.tv, somedurvesplaygames, or donate to us at patreon.com, Uh Follow us and rate us on everywhere that podcasts are found. Um, uh, it, I think that's it. So uh, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.